Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Earlier this week, we spoke to the Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro about his thoughts regarding Pennsylvania's ongoing opioid epidemic. 13 Pennsylvanians a day dying from overdoses, many of them in our listening area. And yesterday, State Representative Aaron Coffer was uh, out and about. He was at a clinic in Ashley, and he was talking about the same issue. And he's, he's here to speak about some legislation that he'd like to see put forth and, and support it. So, Aaron, uh, as always, welcome. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me, as always. I heard in the news report, Aaron, that at this clinic... They have, if I'm wrong, please correct me, is it 400 people a day? Yeah, so they they were talking about, yes, that they're they're, uh, seeing 400 people a day on a methadone treatment program that are coming through their doors there. So that's just one facility here in northeastern Pennsylvania of people who are in in a recovery program right now and receiving treatment. That seems astronomical, doesn't it? It is, and to think that there's this isn't the only one. There's a lot in our area. There's, uh, you know, all over the place actually. And uh, just to think that this is one facility with with 400 people going, it is big numbers for sure. Yeah. So at least that shows uh, a desire to get better and uh, a place for people to go. And I know that uh, methadone is somewhat controversial, but for some people, it does work. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's studies out there, you know, there's no silver bullet to any of this stuff, but methadone is one of the programs used. Um, and there's, like I said, a number of different programs, no silver bullets. Some, some say uh, Suboxone, some say Vivitrol, some say uh, methadone. But, yes, it depends on your level of need. Methadone is typically the one for people who are still in a habitual state, who still need that that daily need uh, filling that habit and going in to receive that treatment because methadone is something that you typically go into a facility to receive your treatment, whereas Suboxone is something that you could take home with you and be able to take the pill there. And, uh, and for instance, Vivitrol is a shot that will last 30 days. So it li- the, a lot of it depends on somebody's level of need and, 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 and level of care that's needed uh, to depend on what kind of uh, treatment they're going to receive. Talk about uh, this particular problem in our region of, of northeastern Pennsylvania, because I read uh, the obituaries every day and I talk to people and I know that this truly is killing people, all kinds of people. Uh, there, Of course, we look at the young being killed, but I also understand uh, that the middle age are, are not immune and even some of our seniors are finding themselves uh, hooked on prescription medication. Yeah, you, you look at the, in all of our drug epidemics that have happened in the past, there's really never been a feeder system like we have with our prescription problem that we have. So for all throughout the 90s, pain was being treated as w- one of these things that needed to be treated. So doctors were encouraged to write these prescriptions for painkillers. 
And so now as people are getting hooked on this and it continues to be a feeder system um, for people who are who are writing prescriptions outside the prescribing guidelines, um, people are getting hooked. And then it becomes an economic decision where people are moving to heroin or fentanyl and now even carfentanyl in Pennsylvania, where the dosages are much more powerful than what the other, you know, prescription opioids are, or even heroin when you're talking with fentanyl and carfentanyl, um, you know, we had the most potent bust of fentanyl in our Commonwealth in West Wyoming, so in our own area. And I describe it as if, you know, we, you know the book The Quiet Dawn, where he was hiding in plain sight. You know, that's exactly what's going on with our drug epidemic. People are hiding in plain sight. They don't know where to go for help if the, if a if a parent knows that their child has an issue or a loved one or a friend, they don't want to turn them into, poli- into the police, but they don't know what to do in order for them to get help. So it, it, it's not a discriminating uh, disease, but it certainly is a disease, and people are addicted to this. And we continue to treat people acutely. When they go into an emergency room, they only get stabilized for that treatment right at that time of, okay, you overdose, okay, now you're fine, and right back out in the community instead of offering people treatment services and being able to do a warm handoff to help get people the help that they truly need. Okay, and some of the things that you would like to see happen have to do with uh, detox, and uh, that is an issue that uh, a lot of people, if they could... uh, just be detoxed correctly, maybe they would have a chance to get uh, a fresh start. Uh, Maybe not. There's no guarantee on anything. But uh, under the current parameters, even getting detox is is somewhat uh, of an obstacle. Yeah, well, positively enough, you know, the Senate did pass my emergency detox and stabilization units legislation just yesterday. So it's coming back to the House on concurrence which would allow for emergency detox and stabilization units to be set up inside of our community hospitals. That way, instead of treating people acutely, they could actually stay there, create a staging area where they can begin a medically supervised detox until they have a bed available for them in a treatment center. You look at what's going on, you know, about 10% nationally is being met for the need of beds. And in Pennsylvania, we're about 14%, so we're a little bit above average um, nationally. But there's still a way shortage of bed availability here in Pennsylvania. And the numbers speak for themselves. So for every treatment dollar that we put in, there's a $7 reduction in criminal justice. Statistics have shown that time and time again. And there's a $4 reduction in health care for every dollar put into treatment. So, I mean, this is something, it's, it's a conservative idea of actually getting people help, not draining the system, but actually getting people the help they need and get them to actually be productive get back into being into recovery, get them back to being productive members of society and taxpayers. So, you know, we need to make sure that we have this bed availability, that we actually give people the true treatment they need and get them back into society and in recovery. This seems to be an issue, if I'm not mistaken, at least with you, Aaron, that does cross party lines. So are there people who are working in Harrisburg in a bipartisan fashion to see these issues addressed? Yeah, so I, I'm, I helped form the Hope Caucus, which is not only bipartisan, but bicameral. We have four co-chairs, a House Republican, which is me, House Democrat, Senate Republican, Senate Democrat. We have four co-chairs representing all four caucuses, working together, working on policy, having the in-depth discussions on what is the stuff that we can do today to get something done. And actually, when we had our Day of Hope rally 
back, it was last September, I think it was September 20th, was we had a Hope Rally in Harrisburg. It was one of the largest rallies as reported by different media outlets in a number of years in Harrisburg. And we actually called as a Hope Caucus and our leadership in the House and the Senate called for a, a uh, special session to address the opioid epidemic in our Commonwealth. At that time, the governor was actually there. He spoke at it as well. And he didn't say at first whether he was going to call the special session. The first question to him was, well, Governor, are you going to call the special session that people are calling? And he said yes. Now, knowing the statistic that we have of losing last year or two years ago, it was 10 Pennsylvanians a day. Last year, the statistics show about 13 Pennsylvanians a day. So since then, there's been 311 days that have passed since our day of hope. That means we have lost somewhere between 3,110 Pennsylvanians and 4,043 by not focusing on this issue as we should be, holding the special session to address the issues and make sure that we're getting legislative action done. It's so often, and I feel this is such the case in government right now, is this opioid epidemic is being used as a talking point and not actually engaging in the issue on what we can do to actually address this and beat it back in the other direction. I feel like I'm losing my generation. My people my age, you know, we just had our high school reunion, and a number of people have died in our, from our high school class. I've lost people who went to college with me. It, it's just sad that, you know, we are literally losing my generation, and it, it's, it seems that people in Harrisburg, while they want to talk a big game, they aren't focused on actually doing something. Well, I think there are some things that are being done, maybe not enough. Uh, number one, Aaron, is there seems to be a, a great recognition of this issue. Number two, uh, I spoke with the attorney general this week. He was mm-hmm. here and they had that uh, program where they're handing out those pouches to dissolve uh, grandma's leftover pills or anybody's mm-hmm. leftover pills. So some of those things I, I see as steps in the right direction. There seems to be great recognition, like I said, from uh, both sides of the aisle and from all kinds of people in the Pennsylvania well, government. I, I agree with that. The recognition is at an all-time high. Now we have to turn the recognition of the problem into action. And so th- there's there's a couple of things that we can do. You know, okay. I'm glad to see my detox bill is moving forward. But, you know, there are things, you know, the bed availability still remains to be a major issue. And instead of focusing on bed availability, um, there's this initiative of the Centers of Excellence, which I am not the biggest fan of, I think we can be spending these dollars in a much more efficient way than the way we're currently spending them um, in the governor's approach. But there's also things to do with with uh, mental health parity and addiction. The New York attorney general is actually focusing on this um, to make sure that these insurance companies are actually following what the law is. You know, right now in Pennsylvania law, you're required to do uh, at least 28 days. The problem is instead of that becoming the ceiling for people to receive coverage, it has become, uh, be the floor, it has really become the ceiling that they're only getting these 28 days of coverage instead of a doctor who's coming in and saying, hey, listen, this person is just beginning to make make a turnaround. We need them for another uh, 15 days. We need them for another 20 days. And unfortunately, the, these are constantly being denied. There is not mental health parity that is uh, that is going on. I have legislation for that so that we can make sure that there's transparency in the system, make sure people are getting the coverage they need. Because, like I said, the numbers speak for themselves. It's $11, $7 for criminal justice, $4 for health care for every dollar spent on treatment. 
And uh, this is something that the insurance companies are supposed to be uh, covering, which we need to make sure that they're doing their part in solving this problem as well. Yeah, 28 days, Aaron. That's actually, some people get kicked out much sooner than that. It's almost like a, a Band-Aid approach. And Well, yeah, actually, uh, so we have a big problem that just happened under the last administration, under the Obama administration, which I'm hoping will change. Uh, Congressman Fitzpatrick down uh, in the Philadelphia area, in the southeast, actually has the legislation to remove the IMD exclusion, which only allows 15 days in a single month for somebody to receive coverage. So it's actually funny. If you say you were to start on June 16th, you can actually get 30 days of coverage to go the last 15 days of June and the the first 15 days of July. But right now, this IMD exclusion, 15 days is only a detox. You're not even talking about beginning to talk about filling in the void of what people are filling drugs with. It's going to completely uh, change around this entire system and make it completely. It completely changed what treatment should be. I mean, as we're working on things in Pennsylvania to do involuntary commitments so that if you know a family member, you know, say you're a parent and you know your your child has an issue, that you can involuntarily commit your child um, who might have a problem. That's something being discussed in Harrisburg right now and something that I think we'll have a robust debate in hopefully this fall. But, um, you know, the, the federal government in, under the last administration really had this major change in policy. And we have to make sure that we're moving back the other direction. I know that there is a push in D.C. to get rid of this IMD exclusion for this 15-day uh, issue, which certainly uh, addresses a lot of the problems of people having coverage beyond, uh, you know, just the bare minimum. Involuntary commitment. What kind of burden does that put on a facility? So that that's part of why. So actually, my detox bill ran out of committee the same day that in, involuntary inpatient commitment passed. We also have a bill for inpatient for involuntary outpatient, uh, which for a facility would be slightly different. It would make sure that somebody's showing up to receive treatment or to be part of a program. Um, that would be, uh, you know, part of a, a health care system, um, whereas the involuntary inpatient would be at a physical location where they'd be undergoing detox right on the spot and not be able to leave that facility. Um, that is part of this whole issue with bed availability. But by creating these emergency detox centers where you could actually have people be able to start being treated inside of a hospital, it then allows them to be able to stay there until they're ready to move over to an actual uh, treatment center or facility where they could receive this coverage. So, I mean, all these issues sort of interplay with one another. And the problem is there is no real direction on policy right now. You know, while the Hope Caucus is certainly, you know, leading this charge, and as our subcommittee chairman for drug and alcohol, I'm leading this charge, but it seems like there has been little engagement on having a true policy from the administration right now on what we're going to do besides just saying these centers of excellence are great and sure they have a great buzz term, but, you know, we have to actually engage in the policy themselves. And uh, it seems like there's a lack of that besides our Hope Caucus and uh, certain members who are bringing this to light and drafting up their own proposals. Aaron, people are concerned about the cost of this. No, for sure. And who pays. No, the, the cost is certainly a big issue. There's no doubt about that. And right now, we're, we are receiving federal money to help do this. You know, what we did with that, the $34 million through Centers of Excellence could easily have been put into bed availability 
to, and, and half of that money actually could have made a massive difference. I truly believe that the way we are spending our money right now on this issue is not the right way to be spending it. I have a conservative approach to this, that we can be using our dollars much more efficiently and making a much bigger impact than the way that we're currently doing it. I talk about it all the time. I've traveled the state, the state to speak about this. That's why I have been vocally have concerns about these centers of excellence, because there are better ways to be spending this money than to be subsidizing programs that have that are MAT, medically assisted treatment with methadone, suboxone, and Vivitrol. There's better ways to get at the heart of this issue. And actually, Secretary Gary Tennis at our most recent Hope Caucus meeting, um, former Secretary Tennis, um, he was our Secretary of Drug and Alcohol. He testified that he thought this was a duplicative and redundant program that could have been used for much better services to impact more people. And you talk to people out there in the provider community, and they are frustrated because the biggest need is bed availability right now, which can't, which is covered by insurance. It is covered by these different programs and could be done without affecting taxpayers uh, directly. This is a way that we can actually make sure that people are getting that treatment service saving that $11 for every $1 put in, and make sure that people are getting into recovery and being active members of society. All right. Well, uh, we wish you well in these pursuits, and uh, it's sad that uh, Gary Tennis was shown the door because I thought he was a good ally for people, um, and I thought he was a great voice. But whatever. I mean, it is it is what it is. So, Aaron Coffer, uh, please continue to look for solutions and uh, offer ideas because I think that uh, you're doing more than most, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Sue. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 